to reign, to rule with him. To reign and to rule with him. And not only uh, for a period of time, it says that we're going to reign with him forever. Uh, have we ever really considered that? That he shall reign forever and that we're going to reign with him forever. It talks about in Ephesians and in Psalms 110, uh, I'm going to go for those of you that have a take, just go to Psalms 110, and we're going to stop at 1. We're going to uh, kind of go uh, at Psalms 110 and 1. How many of you read that before? I've read it many times. Uh, it says, The Lord said unto my Lord. Now the first Lord here is God the Father. And the second term, my Lord, is God the Son. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand. Do you understand that we are seated together with him at the right hand of the Father? The, you know, you have to let that kind of uh, meditate or sink in at the right hand of the Father. I am that I am. Amen. And it says, until I make thy enemies thy footstool. And this means that <clears throat> God has him at this place of regency or he's taking over where it, when a sovereign is absent. He's handing him the baton and telling him to rule until I make your enemies. Your footstool. Amen. He's going to use his strength, his power, to cause Christ's enemies to be their footstool. And that's where we are. We're in him, seated together with him. Amen. Far above all principality and power and might and dominion. In every name that's named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Right now, he's seated in his father's throne. But there's going to come a day when he's going to be seated in a throne of his own. And we are going to uh, also have thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Amen. And we need to get our mindsets so that we know that that's what we have been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. And even now, you hear a lot of people say, no, don't judge me and, and this and that and the other. But if you go to 1 Corinthians 6 and 2, it tells us that that's our job. We're going to judge. We're going to judge angels. And we're going to judge uh, matters in this world system. If we don't judge, who is? If we don't set a standard and say, this is what thus saith the Lord, and, 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 and proclaim it and preach it, then what you're going to have is utter chaos. Somebody has got to set the standard, restrain the darkness, got to be able to bind and loose 
principalities and powers and, and say when a thing is wrong. And it doesn't matter if you're a king, prime minister, emperor, whatever. Wrong is wrong, and you, royal priesthood, have been assigned to keep order in the earth. You have been assigned to uh, execute the judgments that are written. You. And if not you, who? And if not who, we got chaos. We got anarchy. A woman that won't be able to even walk down the street in the, in the daytime if we don't have rules and regulations to say, no, you can go so far and no further. Amen. So, God has given us a place beside Christ in heaven. Praise God. Uh, and we are seated together with him. We're supposed to know his word, know his purpose, his plans, his laws, his statutes, his mandates. We, the body of Christ. So that we can stand against anarchy. So that we can be able to uh, curb a lot of the violence in the earth. And not only did he give us the wisdom of his his plans and his statue, but he's given us power, amen, to execute vengeance upon them that are unruly. We can command and decree uh, that things be shut down in the name of Jesus. We talked yesterday about um, in Daniel 4, 17, how that God was able to rule in the affairs of men and that God was able to change a man's heart and get him all the way out of human society into the animal kingdom. Now, if you tell me somebody got that kind of power, you know, he got power to bind principalities and powers and rulers of darkness of this world. Amen. He's already told us that if we resist the devil, that he will flee. And we got to believe his word, not only believe it, we got to be doers of the word and not be afraid and not be intimidated. And, and, and when somebody challenges us, stand flat-footed and say, what well, thus saith the Lord without fear or favor to men. And, and not worry about anything hurting you. Now, we talked about this watcher and this angel that came down from heaven in Daniel uh, 4.13 and down to 4.17. And uh, I was in prayer, and I was asking the Lord, I said, in the old covenant, who were these saints, this saint that came down from heaven? Because we know in the new covenant, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But under the old covenant, Jesus' blood had not been shed. Do you know what I mean? Everybody that died under the old covenant, they had to go to a special compartment in hell called Abraham's bosom until Jesus had paid the sin debt by the shedding of his blood. And after that, Jesus went into hell and he preached to the spirits that were sometimes disobedient. Amen. He preached to them. And they now had to get that old man 
passed away, and behold, all things become new. And then he was able to lead them captivity captive into heaven. All right? Because nobody could go and approach the throne without the blood. Amen? And so I was asking the Lord, I said, well, who is this saint? And the Lord was showing me that in the old covenant, there were two people that have not died yet. They were translated into heaven, amen, but they've never died. And one of them was Enoch, mm -hmm. uh, where you see in Genesis uh, 5.21, I just want to read that to you uh, about how that came to pass, uh, that Enoch never tasted death. Mm -hmm. And it says uh, in John, uh, Genesis 5, um, 21 and Enoch lived 65 years and begat Methuselah and Enoch walked with God after he begat Methuselah 300 years and begat sons and daughters and all the days of Enoch were 365 years and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him so this man never tasted death Amen. So I don't know who this holy one was under the, uh, the old covenant under Daniel, but it says that a holy one came down with a decision to shut down Nebuchadnezzar. And there was another person. Uh, I'm going to go to 2 Kings for those of you that have your Bibles. Um, <clears throat> Second Kings. What it shows where Elijah, yeah. the Tishbite, he was translated <clears throat> to heaven. And uh, I got Second Kings here. And uh, he never uh, tasted death. Praise God. Uh, let's see here. <clears throat> Let's start at 2, chapter 2, and verse 6, 2 Kings uh, 2 and 6. And Elijah said unto him, talking to Elisha, his apprentice, yeah. Terry, I pray thee here, for the Lord has sent me to Jordan. And he said, as the Lord liveth and as thy soul liveth, I will not leave thee. And they too went on. And let's just jump down to 9. And it came to pass when they were gone over that Elijah said unto Elisha, Ask what I shall do for thee before I be taken away from thee. And Elijah said, I pray thee, let a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he said, Thou hast asked a hard thing. Nevertheless, if thou see me, when I am taken from thee, it shall be so unto thee. But if not, it shall not be so. Verse 11, and, as, and it came to pass, as they still went on and talked, that, behold, there appeared a chariot of fire and horses of fire and parted them both asunder, and Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. And Elijah saw it. Yeah. And he cried, My father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen thereof, 
and he saw him no more, and he took hold of his own clothes and rent them in two pieces. He took up also the mantle, mantle. of Elijah yeah. that fell from him and went back and stood by the bank of Jordan. And he took the mantle of Elijah that fell from him and smote the waters and said, Where is the Lord God of Elijah? <laughs> and when he also had smitten the waters, they parted hither and thither, and Elijah went over. So he got that double portion. Uh -huh. But you see here that Elijah never tastes death either. Praise God. And you see that even under the old covenant, there, there are various instances where people have never tasted death yet. Amen. Uh, tells us in Hebrews, it's appointed unto man once to die. So man has an a, a one appointment once to die, and after death, the judgment. And we see here two men that have never died before. And I kept studying, and the Lord showed me about in the tribulation period, the first three and a half years, you're going to have two witnesses. Amen. And we believe one of them is Elijah. A lot of people say the other one is Moses because they're going to have power to turn uh, rivers to blood and blah, blah, blah. But Moses has already died. But these two witnesses have never died before. But they will be killed in the uh, first half of the tribulation period by the Antichrist. They're going to lie in the streets of Jerusalem for three days. And then God is going to send the spirit of life into them. And they're going to stand to their feet. And they're going to be received in the cloud into heaven. So here we find that, that there are people that, that can fulfill uh, various roles at certain times. Now we talked about yesterday about how our bodies and souls are fixed here upon the earth through uh, the Holy Spirit, we have access to the throne of God and um, we can receive insight, intellect, we can receive strength, we can receive power, all kind of things we can receive because our spirits, amen, are in direct contact with uh, our Father. Uh, I wanted to share something with you about uh, this concerning the spirit of a man. Uh, and I like to share these things because I'm, I'm telling you, a lot of, uh, me and Papa was talking, a lot of people are just not being taught these things. They, they, they don't know that, uh, uh, that our spirit has three compartments to it. And they have three compartments. Uh, purposes, the spirit. I'm not talking about the soul, and I'm not talking about the body. The body got five sensors. The soul has mind, will, and emotion. But there is a spirit in man also, according to 1 Thessalonians 5 23, where he prays that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless until the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and how many People, do you know, have talked about a man's spirit and what it actually does. And I believe with the calling that God has appointed on me as a teacher, one of the jobs of the teacher is to establish truth out of God's word. 
And sometimes you have to dig deep to establish truth so that people can see it clearly. People can walk in it, you know. People can go far in the things of God because many times we have ministers and they, they don't really go deep enough. And, and, and the body of Christ is, I would say, inhibited. He told us in Ephesians 4 and 11 that he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers what? For the perfecting yeah. of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith unto the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And a lot of people do not take that call seriously. And a lot of their sheep, you could tell that their sheep, they go astray, they get caught up in all kind of wind of doctrine. You know, they, they, they stumble. You know, they're easily swayed. They're easily seduced because they don't have a teaching priest to really take these things down to a realm where they can really walk in it. Right. Amen. But it tells us about the uh, spirit of a man. He has three parts. The first is conscience. This is what was violated in the Garden of Eden. It's the part of man where he distinguishes right from wrong. And if you know that the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, it, it, it makes right and wrong blurry. Mm. Blurry because the tendency to do evil is stronger than the tendency to do good. That's the way that tree was made. Uh, I heard a minister the other day said he don't believe that man was ever supposed to eat of that tree. Because God had told them the day that you eat it, you would die. Yeah. <laughs> and God is not in the death. If death is the enemy, the last enemy that will be destroyed is death. So I, God has already told him, don't eat of the tree. He said you can, you can dung it, you can, you know, work it, work the soil, keep it growing and everything, but thou shalt not eat of it. That's unto God. That was like a tithe of the whole garden. He said, of every tree in the garden thou mayest freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's the one tree don't you get your hands on. Because anything time you touch things that belong to God, it renders the death penalty. That's why I be telling people, pay your tithes. That's holy unto the Lord. Don't try to get even with people. He said, vengeance is mine. Yeah. I will repay. Don't mess with God's anointing. I don't care if they do goof up. He told you not to touch them and do my promise no harm. You remember that gentleman that came to David and said that Saul had told him to kill him because he was he didn't want the Philistines to mock him. And 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 he lied and he said so he he plunged uh Saul through with his sword. But the man did not do that. Saul killed himself. Because they people were scared. They didn't want to kill Saul. But the very fact that this gentleman came and told David that he had killed Saul and he said, here, here's his crown. I done brought Saul's crown for you and all of this kind of stuff. And, and, and you're going to find out David was not coveting 
solves anything. And he said, weren't you not afraid to touch God's anointed? And, and see, this young man did not know anything about touching God's anointed. He thought he was doing something cute and it was a big deal. And he's going to curry favor with David because he went and got Saul crown and said, here, David. Now, I gave him you, you his crown. I can be your right-hand man now. But you see the character that David had? David could have took advantage of Saul many times, could have snuffed him out many times, but he feared God. When God said, touch not mine anointed and do my prophets no harm, even if they are trying to kill you, <laughs> you know, you're going to have to trust in me, amen, to protect you, and he will. And David had that man killed that claimed he had killed Saul. See, that man would have been a curse under David because he had, he had lied, really, as far as David was concerned, touching God's anointed. And I want, you know, I say these things for the body of Christ. Because a lot of times we get too, I think, familiar with our pastors. I used to work around pastors all the time. And I had sense enough because I had read the scripture. And plus I saw a lot of stuff up there going on with folks that were messing around with the pastor. And some of them ain't on the planet today. Or trying to expose him or trying to get even with the pastor because maybe the pastor didn't do you right. Well, a lot of times, things didn't go right with me, but I knew better. I knew better to touch it. And don't go talking about him behind his back. Don't try to usurp authority over him. You know, don't play with that man. If he messed up, God know how to put him back on track again. Don't you go putting your hand to the Ark of the Covenant because the fire of God going to come out and kill you. That belongs to God. God knows how to deal with his anointed. Amen. So what you going to do, you going to pray for him. You're going to do just like uh, uh, Noah's sons did their father. Cover them. Amen. Backwards without looking at them. They're going to respect them and have the fear of the Lord concerning them. So, this conscience, that's what part of the spirit of man, it distinguishes between a right and wrong. Amen. And often reasoning will justify things which our conscience judges. The work of the conscience is independent and direct, and it does not bend to outside opinion. It goes strictly by the word of God, and that's the way it is. It does not bend. It does not bow. It does not meander. It's strictly conscience. When we stand before God, our conscience is going to speak on our behalf. Whether it will accuse us or excuse us, it tells us that in Romans 2, of the things that we have done in our body. I'm telling you, this is serious stuff here. If a man should do wrong... It will raise this voice of accusation. That's what the conscience will do. It will raise. You'll feel. you say. Uh, you heard people say. Yeah I ain't going to do that. Because I don't want that on my conscience. Your conscience will come and haunt you. And tell you. You shouldn't have did that. That was wrong. You need to go and repent. Your conscience. Will deal with you. 
and it will show you wherein you need to stop what you're doing, repent, ask forgiveness, go uh, make recompense with this thing. That's in the spirit of a man. God put it in there. Then you got the intuition. Uh, that's another part of the spirit of man. It is the sensing organ of the human part. Uh, it is diametrically different from physical sense and soul, soul sense. Uh, it is called intuition. And what it does, it's like a direct sensing independent of any outside influence the knowledge which comes to us without any help from the mind emotions or volition that's uh, uh, intuition and you should be experiencing this all along things that you, you might have asked in your spirit and didn't know the answer and God will give you you had no idea where it was or, or, or how to deal with it or, or what the answer was and then, in a period of time, who knows when, all, all of a sudden the answer comes. And it's right. It's truth. And you had no hand in it at all. That's the part of your spirit that's dealing with intuition. Sometimes you, you say, my knower. You ever heard that? It's in my knower. See, the knower does not make mistakes. Amen. Uh... It understands the revelation of God and all the movements of the Holy Spirit are known to the believer through his intuition. A believer must therefore heed these two elements, the voice of his conscience and the teaching of intuition. That's his spirit talking to him, trying to warn him or relay truth to him. That's in your spirit. The born-again spirit. Praise God. And last of all is the one that we've been talking about. is communion. It's the actual organ that deals directly with God. Uh, it is with our spirit and God with his spirit. It's called the inner man. Not the soul man or the outward man. But the inner man. The hidden man of the heart. Wherein he imparts wisdom. Let's just go to Psalm 51. Uh, Psalm 51. For those of you that have Bibles, this one talks about the hidden man of the heart. Praise God. Very, uh, Psalm 51, uh, uh, 5. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward part. Now, that word truth is Yeshua. <laughs> he desires Jesus in your inward parts. Yeah. Amen? And in the hidden part, that's the part that deals directly with God, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Amen? That's where God deals with you. And the more you shut yourself away, the more you pray, the more you fast, the louder that voice gets. The more you put away childish things or, or so much worldly activity, and you get alone and get quiet, that voice gets very loud. Sometimes I'll be in, I said, Lord, I hear you clear as a bell. And he be talking too. Amen? So this is communion. 
is deeply interrelated and uh, functions coordinately. Praise God. It is direct interaction with God, the Spirit of God Himself. Amen. In Philippians, I'm sorry, in uh, Colossians, it said that we are dead and our, our, our life is hidden with Christ in God. And Christ now is our life. Christ now is our life. We are a new species of being that have never existed before. And as I said, our uh, bodies and soul are here on the earth. And, uh, but our spirit is directly related with God. Praise God. And I'm going to kind of, we almost through, but I got one more thing I'm going to share. Uh, but I wanted to share you about the spirit man. Uh, turn to Second Con uh, Corinthians twelve and two. Uh, this is a perfect example. And then uh, we're going to be talking about Paul when he went up to third heaven. And then we're going over into Revelations when uh, uh, one and nine when Apostle John was on the Isle of Patmos, but he went up to the third heaven also. But his body, Paul and Apostle John's body was here. John's body was on the Isle of Patmos. Paul, when he when he uh, said that uh, I knew a man in Christ above fourteen years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell. Second Corinthians twelve two, uh, or out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth. Such a one caught up to the third heaven. Praise God. This was when he got stoned at Lystra back in uh, A.D. 46. Remember, he got stoned at Lystra, and uh, that's Acts 14, um, 19. When them Jews came from Antioch, and they got mad with him, they stoned Paul and left him for dead. And it was at that time he went up to the third heaven and according to 2 Corinthians 12 and 4, he was caught up into paradise yeah. and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. He left his body at Lystra, but his spirit went up to the third heaven. Praise God. Because the spirit man, if you will search it out, he looks just like the natural man. That's why he said, I knew a man, whether in the body I couldn't tell or out of the body, yeah. I cannot tell. Because the spirit man and the natural man, according to 1 Corinthians 14, 40, you have the celestial and you have the terrestrial, they look alike. They look alike. You can't tell. That's why he couldn't tell the difference whether he was in the spirit or whether he was in the natural. He said only God knew. Amen. How that he was caught up. This word is the same word that... For the rapture, Harpazio, he was snatched, seized up to the third heaven where God's abode was. Amen? And that's where he was heard unspeakable. This word unspeakable means inexpressible, indescribable, groaning, sacred secrets, intercession, unsaid, unspeakable. Remember when we were talking about 
how that um, he that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto men but unto God. But no man understandeth him, howbeit in the spirit he speaketh mysteries. He speaketh sacred secrets, hidden things, not obvious to the understanding. Praise God. He speak in tongues, divine truth. This is what Paul heard. And he said that this, what he heard, that they were things that cannot be put into words. That's what he heard. Inexpressible things. He heard things that were, were so secret that human lips may not repeat them. That's what he heard when he was taken up to uh, the third heaven. Praise God. God, hallelujah. See, you know, that's the call. The Lord had me go behind the scene. I had to go up to the spirit yeah. realm. Some of y'all, you know, that's the anointing on my life. I'm going to pull the veil back and let you see what's behind there. Amen. Praise God. The inner man looks just like the outer man. That's why Paul, he said he stared at it. When he said, I knew a man, he said he stared at it with wide open eyes as with something remarkable. Amen. He gazed at this man. Whether in the body he couldn't tell. Or out of the body he could not tell. But God knoweth. Such a one caught up or snatched. Up to the third heaven. This is when he got stoned at Lystra. I've heard people talk about how they have had near death experiences. I, I remember I was... I was listening to, I don't know, a lot of y'all know Creflo Dollar. He talked about he was in a car accident. And uh, it, it was a terrible accident. And he said that he had to have died because he went into a realm when he started seeing his relatives, you know, that had already passed away. And then he said a voice uh, thundered and said, it's not your time yet. And he said he was snatched back into his body. But he said he had went and he saw people that he recognized that had passed already. But he was in that realm where he was able to see those people. Understand that. Let me just explain about the spirit man. Uh, this The spiritual man <clears throat> has eyes. And he sees into the spiritual world. Your spirit has spiritual eyes. And it can see into the spiritual world. It has ears. It's a gateway through which spiritual information is heard from the spiritual world. Remember we say that that, that man, that spiritual man looks just like, he has sensors just like the natural man has. The natural man has eyes, nose, mouth taste and all it is, touch, and he can sense various things. He can hear just like the natural, so is the spiritual. He has a nose, a gateway by scent or smell, can identify things that are seen or heard. He has sensors, you know, which he can touch, like just like the, the natural man, containing spiritual nerve fibers, which receive impulses and carry them to the soulish realm, allowing one to receive impressions, the ability to discern, distinguish, and detect spiritual relays and promptings. Remember I said uh, this, you have an unction from the Holy One and you know all things, and sometimes you feel like a check in your spirit, you know, 
you feel like a check or something moving down on the inside. Amen. That's your sensors, spiritual sensors. And this spiritual man has a, a mouth. And this mouth is the portal. Very, watch this very carefully because that's where your tongue is at. Remember? Tongue. Uh, it has a portal through which life and spiritual commands are transferred to and from the spiritual and natural world. That's why you can decree a thing and it can be established unto you. Amen. You can speak those things that be because you have a portal through which life and spiritual commands are transferred to and from the spiritual and natural world. And with one's faith filled words, man is able to release power from his spirit, allowing transition from the spirit realm into the natural realm and vice versa. Isn't that amazing? This is what Jesus said in St. John 6.66. He said, it is the spirit that quickeneth. Amen? He said, the words that I speak are spirit and they are life. That's why it's very important what you say. Because when you speak, you release your faith. Your voice and your tongue release your faith. And it can be negative or it can be positive. You could say like, oh, you know, I get sick all the time. You are releasing your faith into the atmosphere. And not only does God have angels that hearken to the voice of your word, the devil got angels too, ministers that hearken. And they, the word, they will work to bring it to pass in your life. That's why you must be careful just to speak the word only. Like that centurion, speak the word only. Because out of the uh, death and life are in the power of the tongue. It's spiritual law. Remember how when, in the beginning when, 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 when the Lord made the heavens and the earth? Spiritual law. That's the way he does things. So you got to be careful. Man's spirit is a receptacle, a spiritual receiving station, a storage system or bin which stores, records, maintains, and distributes spiritual information and products. You're not going to hear people talk about this because a lot of pastors are not concerned about going far enough into the things of God to equip the saints. But you know, when I stand before God, I'm going to say, Lord, I took the time, I dug, you know, and I made sure that I was thorough in my research. And if a person listens over and over to what I have uh, brought out, faith will come, amen, and then they will become mature in the things of God. They'll be able to practice these things, these principles. You know, um, the last one I'm going to talk about now, because my time is, is almost gone, we talked about uh, John on the Isle of Patmos. Uh, now, his body was in Patmos, which is an island, and I, I did research on that, in Revelations uh, 1 and 9. And if you listen, you're going to learn some things. 
uh, <clears throat> I had to go through uh, Fox's uh, Book of Martyrs because he, uh, most of this information are, is what happened to Jesus' disciples, and many of them were martyred. I mean, they were hideously martyred. And, I, and not only them, but a lot of them that came after them. I was reading uh, Fox's book of martyrs, and it was just incredible, the things that they have done to Christians. And I'm not just talking about in the Crusades and all. I'm talking about modern-day Christians to women, the things that they have done to women. It's horrible. And uh, this is what happened with John. And let me just read uh, Revelations uh, 1 and 9. I, John, who also am your brother and companion in tribulation and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was in the isle that is called Patmos for the word of God and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. Verse 10, I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. This voice is the Lord Jesus Christ because he tells them in uh, 13 and 19, saying, I am Alpha and Omega, the Son of Man. He uh, calling on them as a war trumpet. That's the way he, he talked to John on the Isle of Patmos. Uh, he talked to him about the seven stars and the seven churches, that he was the one that standing in the midst of the seven stars, which are the pastors of the churches, and in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, which are the churches. And see, God told John to write to these churches, okay? Now, in the Fox's Book of Martyrs, it says the Apostle John, brother of James, is credited with founding the seven churches of Revelation. Smyrna, Pergamos, Sardis, Philadelphia, Laodicea, Thyatira, and Ephesus. It was from Ephesus, it is said, that he was arrested and sent to Rome, where he was cast into a large vessel filled with boiling oil that did not harm him. As a result, he was released and banished by the emperor Domitian to the Isle of Patmos, where he wrote the book of Revelation. After being released from Patmos, he returned to Ephesus, where he died about A.D. 98. He was the only apostle to escape a violent death. Now, Patmos was in Asia Minor. Uh, it came, uh, it, he wrote that book in a cave, uh, according to uh, Fox's Book of Martyrs. And this martyr's book was copywritten in 2001. I got the latest edition of Fox's Book of Martyrs, okay? It's the newest edition. And it talks about how a lot of God's uh, ministers and uh, fellow prophets and some of the most horrible things that the enemy did with them. But anyway, I just wanted to share this because I know my time is about it. I got about four minutes, and I'm going to say this quickly, and I'll be off the air. <laughs> but in Revelations 4 and 1, uh, uh, John is talking, and I wanted to bring this out because many theologians uh, have agreed that Revelations 4 and 2 depicts the rapture of the church 
because after uh, Revelations 4, you never hear mention of the church anymore in the book of Revelations until you get to Revelations 19, where we are returning on horses back to the Mount of Olives. So they think that this was a depiction on not only of John uh, being told to come up hither, but it is a model of all of the saints that are going to be uh, brought up out of the world into the rapture before the tribulation begins. And it says, after this I looked, I looked and behold, a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were a trumpet talking with me. Now this is, I don't know why the Lord always talked to him with a trumpet, you know. Uh, which said, come up hither, and I will show these things which must be here after. And if you gauge this time period, right after this, we go into the tribulation period, seven years, all right? And it says, uh, I will show these things which must be here after. And two, and immediately I was in the spirit, and behold, a throne was set in heaven. So you know he's now no longer in earth. He's in heaven where the throne is, and one sat on the throne, praise God, and he went on to say he looked like a, a sardine and all of these kind of various uh, beautiful, beautiful uh, gems and, and that kind of thing. Uh, it said, uh, and he that sat was to look upon like a jasper and a sardine stone. And there was a rainbow. It always represents covenant. Amen. Around about the throne in sight like unto an emerald. Now this is the throne room. And so you see here that John is on the Isle of Patmos, but Jesus has called him up to the throne room. John wrote all of the book of Revelation and Patmos in that cave. But God is the one that uh, was able to uh, transfer him, you know, while he was here on the earth. God was able to bring him up to heaven. Amen. And if you ever read, I mean, this is just it's so remarkable what he showed uh, uh, John during this time. And as I said, from Revelation 4 to Revelation 19, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is not mentioned at all. When it's mentioned again, it's talking, well, let's just go to Revelation 19, and I'll tell you, this is when it's mentioned again. Because it's not mentioned anymore after you get out of uh, Revelation 4. And uh, in verse 19, let's see here. Uh, I mean, chapter 19. And let's go to... Well, let's try 13, chapter 19 and 13. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. We know who that is. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. When you hear that fine linen, that's talking about the saints. Amen. That have made themselves ready, and their good deeds are the fine linen. That's the key, all right? Uh, all right, and it goes on to uh, how they gathered at uh, Armageddon and, 
and they were killed and all of the uh, fowl. They had a great supper. See, that's promised to the fowl, too. They're going to have a great supper at the end of uh, when he comes back. And then he's going to deal with the beast, the Antichrist. He's going to deal with Satan and all of that. That's at the end of our marriage in heaven. All it is, and we're coming back with him. So I just wanted to share that with you. Uh, for those of you that, that like to go with me, I like to do research many times so that you can have a, a clearer understanding of what uh, is in store for the believer. Uh, we're going to reign and rule with Christ forever. And I cannot wait. I don't know about you, Apostle. Yeah, I'll say it again. <laughs> Amen. Uh, I can't wait. Did you have anything you want to no, share? No, uh, just on that, what you just shared, that, that is my anticipation, the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. and, and as much as we can, as what we're doing and what you're doing today, uh, uh, equipping the saints. Yes. Uh, something that is... So lacking in the church, uh, the, the lack of information. You said, "My people they are destroyed for the lack of knowledge." Yes. They're so ill prepared. Yes. For the coming uh -huh. of the Lord Jesus Christ, or the coming rapture, uh, and and uh, you know these things must happen. Uh, you know, the, mm -hmm. uh, but we, those of us who are, are called to instruct, uh, to reprove, mm -hmm. to correct. You know, all yeah. these things with all long suffering and doctrine. Mm. Uh, that's what I'm seeing mm. happening in this hour. Mm. And I'm, I'm I'm grateful for that even, mm. you know, that, that we have been chosen for such a time as this to make the church aware, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, to get the bridegroom ready. Yes. You know, uh, I mean, the, uh, the, the bridegroom. The bride ready, yes. Ready, you know, for the bridegroom. Uh -huh. You know, you want to be ready. So true. When he comes. Amen. And I just thank God for the word of God and God giving us a hunger and thirst after yeah. his righteousness and after the word of God. I thank God for it because uh, sometimes you have to pray for God to make you hungry Yeah. Uh, and, uh, because sometimes you can't muster it up on your own. Mm -hmm. And you say, Lord, give me a hunger and thirst so that I can uh, seek and search after you. Mm -hmm. And he will. Yeah. Because a lot of times you are not going to get it until it's being revealed by his spirit. Yeah. So I just thank you all for tuning in today. I just want you to remember what Jesus said to the people on the Feast of Tabernacles. He said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believeth in me, as the scriptures have said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living waters and this big key of the Holy Spirit. God bless you. I want you to, uh, if you view this again, I want you to send in some comments. Let me know how uh, this broadcast is ministering to you. And and uh, if you have said to send us prayer as Jesus coming to your life, we won't forget to pray for you. Amen. So God bless you. I love you. And you have an outstanding afternoon. Amen.
that never 